0: Albert Einstein several years ago was heard to say only two things in the universe are infinite only two things let me back up only two things are infinite the universe and human stupidity and I'm not sure about the first (laughs) and that was his um, his comment that uh, far too often There is no limit to the foolishness that we can find ourselves in. Um, If you've ever read Psalm 38, you know that in Psalm 38, David is pouring out to God his struggle. And in the midst of David pouring out his struggles, David says this. He says, my wounds stink and fester because of my foolishness. Now... I don't know specifically what David was referring to when he talked about his wounds. But he says that they stink and they fester. And the reason is because of his own foolishness. He is recounting his own failings. He is thinking about the painful consequences that he was enduring because of his own foolishness. We've been talking about a lot of things in our study of the book of James about how to respond to trials, about how to respond to temptation, about how we align ourselves with truth and we've talked about how we live that faith out by the way we care for others and how we understand the relationship between the faith that saves and the works that help show that we have been saved and we've talked about how we manage our mouths and it's no coincidence church that he goes from how we manage our mouth to right into verse 13 when he talks about wisdom Right, So there's a good question as we approach this text that we would be wise to ask. How can we know if we are really changing for the better? How can we know if we are growing in sanctification? How can I know if I am looking more like Jesus every day of my life? And the test of that, of course, is verse 13. Because this is where James really sets the bar. Who is wise and understanding among you? Let him show it by his good conduct and by the meekness of his wisdom. In other words, if you want to see somebody that is wise, look at the way they live their life and look at their humble approach to everything because that shows the wisdom of God is present. So how do we define this kind of Wisdom, I think we can define it by saying it is the ability to see and respond to everything in life from God's perspective. Right? It is the ability to see and respond to everything in life from God's perspective. We know that someone is wise by the way they live. Why? Because wisdom isn't just about right truth. Wisdom is about living that truth out in a way that honors the Lord and glorifies Him. Right? We, we know the verse in Proverbs 3, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding, in all your ways acknowledge Him and He will direct your paths. That's it. Wisdom is acknowledging the Lord in all your ways. So what James does when he talks about wisdom is he talks about a couple of things. He talks about earthly wisdom and he talks about godly wisdom. James says there are two types of wisdom that are displayed. There is a wisdom that is from below and there is a wisdom that is from above. And so what does he do? He gives us the characteristics of each. He gives us the cause of each and he gives us the consequence And so let's just walk through these together this morning and let the word of God speak into our lives. The first thing that James does is he addresses the wisdom from below. And he does that in verses 14, 15, and 16. And when you look at the text that Miss Amber read for us earlier, you see the characteristics of this earthly Wisdom, this worldly wisdom and notice the words that James uses jealousy right this is bitter jealousy this is the worst form of jealousy there is this is a harsh sharp cutting and destructive jealousy this is the resenting of anyone and anything that comes between them and their own objectives Jealousy, selfish ambition. This is the motive of bitter jealousy because it is extreme selfishness. Now how do we know this is the wisdom from below? Because this is the wisdom of the world. Why? Because it says you promote yourself. You promote you. He uses the word arrogance. This verb form means to boast. Even the disciples argued among themselves as to who was the greatest. It's a reminder to us that it is easy to go on an ego trip all under the guise of spiritual zeal. Arrogance. deception. In other words, it contradicts the teachings of Christ and the clear teaching of the New Testament. That's the character of worldly wisdom. What is the cause? Well, what does James say? James says it is earthly, it is unspiritual, and it is demonic. Right? It's earthly. That's the source of its boundaries. It's unspiritual. It's the same idea that's relayed in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14 when Paul says, the natural man does not understand the things that comes from God. Why? Because they are spiritually discerned. The natural man is a person who does not have the Spirit of God residing within them. And this is what James is saying here. It is a wisdom that comes from the mind of self. Right? It's the wisdom that comes from the mind of the depraved, sinful man. It's flawed. It's unspiritual. And then he says it's demonic. In other words, the wisdom from below that James is describing comes from the devil. And so the truth is clear. We must never let anyone convince us that such wisdom is just good common sense. This kind of wisdom is from below. And James says it can only take us down, down, down. And so what is the consequence? Well, picture these words. Jealousy, selfish ambition, disorder, every evil thing. In other words, wrong thinking Produces wrong living. That's James's point. If I'm not thinking right, I'm not living right. Worldly wisdom always produces trouble in your life. Always. Notice James uses the word disorder. This means the confusion that comes from instability. So jealousy and selfishness and disorder set the stage for every evil thing. That's the wisdom from below. Then when you come to verse 17, James describes the wisdom from above. and This is what I want us to celebrate and see this morning. James says the wisdom from above. And notice he says it is first and then he lists the character of God's wisdom. It is pure. It is pure wisdom because it has been cleansed by the blood of the Lamb of God. It has received Christ's purity. And as a result, it is leading those who are Christ followers into a morally pure life. It's peaceful. Right? It's a reflection of the words of Jesus, right in the Sermon on the Mount. "Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the sons of God. It is gentle. A gentle person is humbly patient. It is reasonable. That's a word that literally means to be teachable and compliant. It's many times used as a military term for an individual who knows they are under authority to someone. So when discipline comes their way, they comply with it in every way, shape, and form. It's reasonable. It's full of mercy and good fruits. And when you hear those words, who is the image? What what image pops in your, your head, in your mind? Is it not the good Samaritan? Right? Who displays the kind of mercy and good fruits that Jesus says we would be wise to display? It's impartial. This word is used only here in the New Testament. And it literally means not to be divided without uncertainty, indecision, or doubtfulness. And then he says sincere. So here's the character of God's wisdom. Pure, peaceful, gentle, reasonable, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial, sincere. The cause. What is the cause of God's wisdom? Notice the phrase, but the wisdom from God above do you see that but the wisdom from above is it not true church that the christian looks to heaven for all that he or she needs why why do we do that it is because our citizenship is in heaven It is because our Father is in heaven. It is because our treasures are in heaven. It is because our future home is in heaven. It only makes sense that the cause of everything that is right and good in our lives comes from above. Right? Our wisdom is not according to the philosophies of the world. I, I know in church life today, there are hundreds and hundreds of ideas as to what constitutes you know, good preaching. And I've, I've, I've heard and I've read and I've listened and, you know, um, it is just... Still, even after 40 years, the conviction of my heart that you don't need to come into a gathering like this on a Sunday morning and be entertained. You are entertained throughout the week. We have enough entertainment in our lives. More entertainment on a Sunday morning is not going to make you look more like Jesus. But the Word of God will. And so our wisdom is not according to the philosophies of the world. Our wisdom is grounded in the Lord Jesus Christ. To get wisdom from any other source is asking for trouble. Now the consequences of God's wisdom we notice that James, at the end, he returns to the fruit, right? There's a vast difference between man-made results and God-given fruit. If we live in God's wisdom, if we sow righteousness and peace, James says, we will reap God's blessings. But if we live in worldly wisdom, if we sow sin, we will reap disorder and every single thing. So James tells us there is a wisdom from below and there is a wisdom from above. Now, I want to ask you, before we come to the Lord's table, if you would think about the wisdom that is from within you and me. There is a wisdom that is earthly. Right? There is a wisdom from above. And there is a wisdom that is within each and every one of us today. And so, I believe with all my heart that wisdom from above is available to every person who will seek it. And that's why I believe that wisdom is possible. True wisdom is possible when the Lord Jesus Christ is personal. And What are the requirements of attaining the wisdom of God? Might I just mention a couple of things this morning? Number one, conversion. Conversion. Right? 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30. But by His doing you are in Christ Jesus who became for us the wisdom from God. And righteousness and sanctification. And redemption. You will never experience the deep kind of wisdom that is meant to impact every life until, first of all, you bow the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ. And you surrender your life, all that you are, to Him. It's the wisdom that says, I believe you are the Son of the living God. And from this point forward, I will follow you for the rest of my life life. And so it begins with conversion. What follows that is reverence, right? The Bible says it over and over again. Psalm 11, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 9, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Proverbs 15, the fear of the Lord is the instruction for wisdom. And so it's conversion and it's reverence And then it's about living in the Word of God. It's about Scripture. Right? Psalm 119. Verse 97, Oh, how I love your law. It is my meditation all the day. Your commandments make me wiser than my enemies, for they are ever mine. I have more insight than all my teachers. Why? Because your testimonies are my meditation. I understand more than the ages because I have observed your precepts. Do you see what the psalmist is saying here? Wisdom from above is not just about being someone that's old. It is about being in the Word of God. Paul put it this way in Colossians 3. Let the Word of Christ richly dwell within you with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to God. It's about conversion it's about reverence it's about scripture fourth it's, it's about prayer and we studied this already in our walkthrough of James but if any of you lacks wisdom let him ask God who gives generously and without reproach now we should not expect godly wisdom to come into our lives like great you know, chunks of coal that I used to see my parents put into the stove in our house when I was a little boy. These big coal chunks. Right? We'd go out to the pile in the back and we would take this little bucket and we would fill it up with chunks of coal and bring it in and throw it into the stove. And that's how we stayed warm in the winter. We should not expect wisdom to come into our lives like that. Right? It's not just you know, splashy and it's not just bold. I don't give my life to Jesus on Monday and on Tuesday I look like Him in every way, shape, or form. It's not dispensed that way, dear ones. You can't go. I I, I can't go to my my son. I can't go up to a counter at CVS and say, Josh, I, I need some godly wisdom. Here, Dad, here's this bottle of pills and this will do it for you. It, it doesn't... It doesn't work that way. Wisdom is the ability to see and respond to everything from God's perspective. Can I just ask you some questions today about the wisdom in you? What, What do you read? What do you read? You say, well, Pastor, I'm just not a reader. I don't like to read at all. Can I humbly suggest to you you will never enjoy the wisdom from above if you are not reading the word of God. I don't like to read. Well, if you don't like to read, get it on a CD and put it in your vehicle and listen. What do you read? Secondly, what what do you watch? You know why this is so important? Because of a simple phrase that I was taught when I was a kid, that you were taught when you were a kid. I'll start it, and I want to ask you to verbally complete it for me, okay? Are you ready? Here we go. It's four words. I'll give you the first two. You give me the last two. All right, you got it? Everybody know what we're doing? You're going to talk back to me today, all right? If you don't, we're going to be here for a long time. Here we go. Are you ready? Garbage in... Garbage in. It's that simple. What do you watch? Where do you go? Where are you spending your time? Where do you go? What do you do? As we prepare our hearts for the Lord's table. I want, you, I want you to do me a favor. We're going to close with this. Take your Bibles and go to Colossians chapter 2. Colossians chapter 2. And I want you to see two verses. And then we're going to share in the Lord's table together. Colossians 2. Notice it's really kind of Paul's prayer for the church of Colossae. He says there in verse 2 that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery which is Christ. And then notice verse 3 where he says, In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. When Paul said the wisdom is hidden in Christ, he used a a term for hidden hidden that his readers would have been very, very familiar with. You see, the Gnostics of Paul's day believed there was this great knowledge, this elaborate knowledge that you could only find when you get into the inner circle of the Gnostics because it was things that they wrote and it was in these hidden books that you had to seek out from them in order to obtain this great knowledge. And now Paul says, you want to know where knowledge is? is it's hidden in Christ Jesus all the knowledge of the world all of the knowledge that gains you an understanding of what it means to walk with God is found in Jesus and when Jesus died and rose from the dead what did Jesus do he now put it on display for every person to experience isn't that great that's what Jesus has done for us He has opened the doors. Wisdom and knowledge are not found hidden in secret books. They are deposited in Jesus Christ. And the good part about that is, it's available for every single one of us. Isn't that great? It is available for us. We have access to wisdom. Godly wisdom. And it comes from Jesus who laid down his life.